0: Doolittle is an entertaining children's movie that gives insights into relationships and communication. Are you just watching Episode 101, Doolittle? Welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. I'm Eve Franklin.
1: I'm Tim Martin.
0: And we're starting out. Well, we're not really starting out the year. We've already done one. This is like, <laughs> you know, somewhere we're starting along out the, way. the
1: next century of recordings. Does that, <laughs> yeah. <does> that work.
0: <laughs> but before we get too far into the discussion, there's a couple of news items I want to put forward right here at the beginning because I don't know how many people listen all the way to the end to hear what we say at the end. But mm. first off, there is just a few more days left on the contest at the Christian Community Podcast. And we will have a link to that contest in our show notes, and we've been posting it on our Facebook pages. Make sure that you take part in that because the prize is a really good—it's
1: box of books.
0: Yeah, over a thousand dollars worth of theology books, and of course, I don't know—not everybody wants a box full of theology books and DVDs, but
1: some it's, people. I saw do. I saw Andrew's picture of it. It uh, looks like it's got some pretty good titles in it too.
0: Yes, yes, and they, there is a list of titles. If there's If you're curious, if you go to the entry place we will post, uh, it'll give you a list of all the things that you could possibly win. But only one person is winning, so you have to participate to get in the drawing. And the other news item is that last night, that would have been the 7th, we're recording this on the 8th, I went to see the world premiere of The Patterns of Evidence, The Red Sea Miracle at the Ark Encounter, and it is a fabulous movie. It will be showing... One night only on February eighteenth, twenty twenty, and then the sequel to it, the Red Sea Miracle two, will be showing May fifth. Now these are fathom events, so you have to have a theater that has uh. that does fathoms that they're fathom events, and you have to be able to uh, get a ticket because I have a feeling these will sell out. And so I will strongly encourage everybody if you live near a theater to check out the Red Sea Miracle. Make, see if it is going to be uh, close to you and go see it. I was quite impressed with it. At the premiere that I was at, we had the, the panel discussion that gets put in on the end of the Fathom event. So that was live for us. We got to see all, these, all of this very nice. live. So it was a very nice event. And I strongly encourage everybody who's able to go see that. It's a feature documentary on the search for the parting of the Red Sea, where that would have occurred. And there's a lot of, I guess, controversy over that in in biblical, I mean, even non-biblical people, they they claim it never happened, obviously. There's two assumptions that he deals with, or two, I guess, approaches to the the problem that he deals with, what he calls the Egyptian method and the Hebrew method. And it's one of those that really presents all the evidence and kind of lets you make up your mind as to which one you wish to follow. I uh, really approved of it. so And he didn't come to a conclusion in it because the conclusion will be in Red Sea Miracle 2, so I don't know what his conclusion is until mm. I see that one.
1: <laughs> we will, of course, have a link to the, uh, the Fathom Events page, for the mm-hmm. Red Sea Miracles 1 and 2 in our show notes.
0: Yes, make sure you take part in that. Okay, now, back to Doolittle.
1: Let's do more.
0: What did you think of the movie?
1: <laughs> uh, Doolittle, you know, I I appreciated us getting to a, a nice, simple family movie that wasn't laden with uh, hidden meaning and... And uh, innuendo and (laughs) language that makes me go, why is this rated PG-13
0: again? And this was PG, not (laughs) PG-13.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Usually, you know, it's – see, usually when Hollywood gives us an offering recently, they're pushing the line for their rating. Mm -hmm. They want to be more risque. And Doolittle was exactly the opposite. This one could almost have been g yeah, the only thing that was PG-ish was the you know third grade potty humor.
0: <laughs> yeah, and there, there was wasn't a little even bit of that, that much of that. Yeah,
1: but I I liked how uncomplicated the movie was. Uh, the plot was pretty straightforward. The story elements were nice and easygoing. The story progressed just like the way you would expect a children's book to progress. It was. A good family film.
0: Yeah, I didn't know what to expect going into it. I kind of just went to see Robert Downey Jr. and I'm not as familiar with the Doolittle story. I mean, I know it's about the guy, the veterinarian who can talk to animals. That's about all yeah. I've never known about Doolittle. And I was really quite impressed. I don't know how the story stacks up to the other stories. Whether it's the same story or something different.
1: Yeah. I can tell you, I've seen the original Rex Harrison, little first two or three. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Eddie Murphy ones from when I was growing up and a little beyond. And this really doesn't uh, share any significant story elements with either of those. But I've never listened to or read the books. So I'm not sure if, you know, their source material that is very similar.
0: Right. Well, I guess we'll never know unless we go check that out. But – I would say this movie definitely is safe for children, yep, it's one that has enough adventure to uh keep i think probably most elementary age, possibly a little younger entertained
1: yeah yeah, it's they they were definitely entertained in the viewing we went to,
0: yeah, and uh when I went, believe it or not, it was they were sold out theaters, so I was like I couldn't believe it
1: <laughs> that's good.
0: I ended up sitting on the front row because I didn't buy my tickets in advance. And and uh, that was the only seats available when I finally got to buy my tickets were the the first row in the, th- in the theater.
1: We actually, uh, we went and saw it at a, 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 not a new theater chain, but traditionally I've been using Regal. But our local Regal has made a policy and procedure change that really has us irritated. So this time we went to Cinema Cafe to see it. It was uh, really nice because, you know, you have – you actually have a writing surface in front of you, which makes it easier for notes. And it's Ah. a lighter theater too, so I could actually Mm. see my notes.
0: Well, that's nice.
1: Yeah. And it was – they only had three previews. So previews lasted all of like five minutes, whereas in Regal, I want to say between commercials and previews, the first 30 minutes of the movie – Mm-hmm. Are sitting there, uh, unable to fast forward.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, I had I had five previews, so it was it was pretty long for me. But
1: yeah, that's yeah, cool. I, di- I didn't have a I didn't have a lot of expectations going into this. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have seen it if we weren't doing it. At least not I. I probably wouldn't have seen it in the theaters if we weren't doing it for. Are you just watching? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm glad. It, I'm glad I did. The humor. Really was nice and straightforward, and it hit home. Uh, my yeah. my daughter and wife saw it with me, and uh, my daughter is twenty two, so you know she doesn't come at it with a school age kid's sense of humor, but she laughed uh, pretty hard <laughs> at, at <laughs> a number of points.
0: Yeah, yeah. Some of it was really funny, and some of it was humorous. So I, I think it there was humor in there for, for pretty much everybody. So if yeah. you didn't laugh at one joke, you might laugh at another. And I I appreciated that. I thought that the the points they made, because every every movie you watch makes some kind of moral or ethical point
1: or, yeah. or you know, the moral it, of the story is. And the
0: moral of the story is, yeah. And I thought that the the morals they presented in this were not objectionable. They they were ones that you could nod along with and go, okay, I see where they're going with that.
1: And yeah, I could agree yeah.
0: with that. So I think for the most part, it, it's one that that is not something that Christians could you know would need to boycott for any reason. I mean, obviously there's going to be uh, some humanistic morality in there, but it's it's nothing that um, that would re require you you know saying oh i can't see that movie so
1: yeah i think the only the only negative vibe that i got off this was uh watching it i i feel like there was a i i came away feeling that there was a a lot of film left on the cutting room floor to be you know an art to make an archaic reference there yeah (laughs) but it still came out feeling like a complete movie Mm mm-hmm it just felt like there was something missing. And, and uh, after the movie, we actually came out wondering, uh, discussing that it seemed to have a lot of Downies <laughs> listed. <laughs> the movie had a lot of Downies listed. Um, it was a Team Downey production. So mm. we were wondering, you know, uh, was this like a labor of love for Robert Downey Jr. or his, or his wife? Um, so I went through and watched some of the documentaries and or some of the interviews after the fact and it wasn't um but uh he did mention that he wanted to do something different uh because he had been in the role of iron man for so long he wanted to get yeah. away from that Yeah so that people could see that he still had other acting chops
0: Yeah and I think he did a very good job in this I I really felt like uh that we did see I you know, I I hate to say it because he is so typecast. I think I saw a little bit of, and maybe this was just that he was portraying the the role so well. But in an end game where he had you know that those family moments with his daughter, yeah, I really felt like that was part of the character that he portrayed in Doolittle. Maybe yeah, not without the, without the accent, but with that caring and like fatherly, and I don't know. I just I could see that the same Robert Downey Jr. there that I was seeing in Doolittle. Let's put it that way.
1: I could, I could, I can understand that, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think he did a really good job. And I don't know, but my favorite character in this whole movie was the extremely literal sailor on the bad guy's ship. <laughs> and if you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about, because...
1: That was a rhetorical <laughs> question.
0: <laughs> he answered every question as if it was completely literal and interacted just you know. I mean you've met people like that who take everything literally and oh, it's yeah. like th- this was just like a, a the stereotype blown to the extreme and it was hilarious absolutely hilarious
1: uh, you know another another uh, comment on my first impressions for the movie is uh, you and I had discussed uh, the upcoming film Call of the Wild starring Harrison Ford mm-hmm. and you made a comment about how the dog looked too animated mm-hmm and it, I realized as I was watching Doolittle, you know, all the animals obviously are are computer animated now, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I was comparing it to the animals that appeared in the uh, the recent Disney Lion King, mm-hmm. and I realized that animated animals have an uncanny valley of their own, and the animals in Doolittle were just animated enough, just. Far enough from reality where they did not feel weird to me,
0: right? In all of and their I, mannerisms, yeah,
1: yeah. I actually appreciated that they they went a, just a hair cartoonish, and it's not a lot, it really is a very small amount, but it was enough to make me more comfortable with the way that the film turned out,
0: right? And I noticed you'd made a comment too that it felt a little steampunkish to you, and I, yeah. And I thought that was interesting because I'm wondering, you know, the whole concept of Doolittle, it's like, it's almost like the invention of steampunk. It's like that whole Mm. background concept of it. It's like an early steampunk.
1: Yeah. Uh, You can't hear me, but I'm nodding.
0: (laughs) But it's almost like it was like, like pre steampunk, (laughs) (laughs) the originator of steampunk.
1: But yeah, and you know, it, they really didn't show any more of it once you got outside of Doolittle's house. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it was intended to show that he was an innovator above and beyond, you know, a, a Renaissance man of his time, right? With all these inventions, but you did see a little bit of it on the water lily, the ship that uh, mm-hmm. that he sets off on his voyage with, but none of it, you know, in outside society. So. But yeah, it did feel steampunkish. Yeah, there was a series on Netflix a little while back, the Lemony Snicket series of unfortunate events. Mm. I didn't like it. I didn't watch more than the first episode or two because, if you know the books, I mean, nothing goes right for these children, and uh, I just I don't want to entertain myself by watching by uh, what was this? Uh, Schadenfreude. But uh, the the production values, the the lighting, the the way the characters are presented, all felt very similar to *Lemony Snicket*. And there's a lot of steampunk element in the Snicket series too.
0: Hmm. I remember seeing that one come out, but I didn't look interesting to me, so I didn't didn't follow it. Well, before we get into a theme discussion, we of course need to mention the music, and. Danny Elfman is actually a composer that I really like. I very rarely mention him. He doesn't do a ton of movies that we review, but he has done a few and I usually like his his scores. This one is I guess what you would call symphonically whimsical, which really fits the the whimsical nature of the movie. I'll just play a little bit of it right here so you can hear what it sounds like. Now, this movie also is one of those rare movies, at least, I guess it's not as rare as I'd like it to be, but it ends with a song in the credits, and this one was an original song called Original <laughs> by Sia, and How everything, uh, well, it, it was made for the movie, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess that makes it original. The thing that I don't like about Sia, and I have a couple of her songs in my more eclectic collection of music, but... The uh-huh. thing I don't like about her is that you can never understand her. She slurs all her words. <laughs> so if you want to know what the words to the song and the credits are, you're going to go have to go look it up on YouTube and watch it with lyrics because you can't understand her. She-
1: uh, it's I honestly don't think I have ever heard or recognized a Sia song before. You know the end credit mm-hmm. song, and even coming out, I wouldn't have been able to tell you who Sia was. <laughs>
0: Now did you notice before we that there was a scene in the middle of the credits? Did you leave yes. when the credits? Okay. Yeah.
1: With the the cave?
0: Yeah, about half the yeah. theater got up and left when the credits started and I'm like I always stay for the credits and was got to be rewarded. So I was happy. Marvel about has
1: it. trained me to not leave. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now I didn't stay all the way to the end, so maybe there was something at the end that I didn't see there but- wasn't.
1: Yeah. We stayed.
0: Yeah. We stayed I,
1: getting dirty looks from the theater staff.
0: <laughs> All righty. So, from now on there will be spoilers, though I can't imagine that watching a children's movie that you'd be too concerned about spoilers, but Yeah. <laughs> here there be spoilers.
1: Yep. My name is Andy Olsen and I want to tell you about Echo Zoe Radio. Echo Zoe Radio is a podcast outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries. Every month, I find a knowledgeable guest to talk about an important and interesting topic that affects the Church today. We carefully balance the discussions of positive, God glorifying doctrines of
0: Orthodox Christianity from a mostly Reformed point of view with exposes of heresy, false teaching,
1: and poor practice that goes on throughout the Church today. You can find us at echozoe.com. That's E C H O Z O E.com.
0: Now, the first thing that I wanted to discuss, and I think this is probably a very small part of the movie, but it was a very big deal for me. I And I think it came because the sermon that I heard right after seeing the movie brought this this matter up, and I would, had just seen the movie, and I was like, oh, that was in the movie, and I didn't even notice it until now. And it's respecting authority, and in particular res- respecting a authority figure who is... I guess in in a great deal of authority over you who has been gracious to you in a a certain amount of way. And the story that's in this movie, Doolittle is living on a piece of property that was gifted to him by the queen because he had done a great service for her, right? Mm -hmm. And after his wife passed away, actually, she went on an adventure and never came back. Uh, He closed up the gates and basically locked the world away and he was just living with his animals in this uh, beautiful piece of property with a mansion and all that kind of stuff. And this lady in waiting comes and tells him that he has been summoned by the Queen to Buckingham Palace and he basically just snubs it. He doesn't, he's not interested in seeing the Queen. He's not, well, he's not interested in seeing anybody, but particularly the queen. And I came out of that thinking, it's very interesting that he, he's living on the queen's largesse. Basically she gifted him this property and, and he's just doesn't have any respect for her authority over him at all. He just blows her off. And when he finds out that she's ill, he couldn't care less until they bring up the matter that if he doesn't if she dies, he loses his property, and that's about the only time he cares about it and right after that, we had a sermon in my church about having the proper awe for God and dealing with him on on the angle that you know how much has God given us, how much is he has he graced us with you know the the, yeah. the gift of salvation and we're living on his grace and How do we react to him when he calls us to do things? And I think especially here in the West, we've gotten so comfortable in our faith that it's so easy to say, not right now, God, I'm busy. Now that's inconvenient. (laughs) That's outside my comfort zone. All of our responses that we have when God tells us to do something. And, you know, that, that really came home. It's such a small part of this movie, but it really hit home to me that we don't have the proper all for God anymore. I mean, it's like you, you go yeah, to church. Yeah, very true. You go to church and you, and it's more like a, almost like a, a fellowship of, well, it is a fellowship of believers, but it's almost like a country club, you know, like <laughs> you, you go there to meet your friends and where is the awe for God? You know?
1: Yeah. We're You're going to worship, the worship behind and, and focusing yeah. on the fellowship.
0: Right. Right. And, what came to mind uh, was this passage in Hebrews. I'm actually going to start memorizing the book of Hebrews. I think, uh, I don't know how far I'll get in it, but there's some really good stuff in Hebrews. But this is from Hebrews twelve twenty eight through 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us hold on to grace. By it, we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe, for God is a consuming fire. And I don't know, It just to me, it's like, that almost talks about, you know, because Doolittle had received a kingdom, basically, from the queen. Yeah. And then he wasn't serving her. He he had locked her out of his life, and he didn't want to be called upon. He didn't want to answer a summons. And that's what we've received, a kingdom from God that cannot be shaken. And we need to approach God with the proper reverence and awe because of the gifts that He's given us, and because He is due that praise, that awe, and that reverence. And how often do we give it? Not enough. Not enough.
1: Yeah, it's you know, uh, it, at the opening of the movie, uh, Doolittle has, because of the the loss of his wife, the death of his wife, he mm-hmm. has retreated to a, a fearful, childlike state uh, where he refuses to interact with anybody but animals. Mhm. And I sort of feel like there was um a missing excl- exclamation of uh of why but it was easy to accept that he had but even once he went to once he fulfilled the uh the summons mm-hmm. and he appeared uh in the queen's bedroom where she lay you find out later suffering the effects of a rare Fantasy poison, yeah, he does not comport himself with the the proper respect and awe that you know that you should uh, mm-hmm. you think of Samuel when he has the vision where uh you know he sees all of the angels gathered around a uh, a massive massive god, a god yeah. that uh, that is huge in in image and in presence. His first thought is, "I'm a dead man. I'm not righteous enough to be here." And Job, you know, uh, God says, "Hey, uh, can you take the Leviathan home as a pet?" I don't think so. Yeah. And we we just don't have that sense of of awe with God anymore. And in our community group, we're starting a uh, a new series on spiritual warfare. And uh, I made the comment: I am a skeptic when it comes to hearing of miracles and uh, not biblical miracles, because if it's in the Bible, it happened. Period. Right. Yeah. But when somebody says, you know, God raised my daughter from the dead in, in modern day, or uh, God healed me of my of my gout, my my immediate thought is, well, I don't think God does miracles anymore. As a matter of fact, we had this discussion on uh, our Harriet discussion. Mm -hmm. I tend towards plausible, non-supernatural explanations first. Willing to accept that God could have done it, but wanting something more to go on, you know?
0: Yeah. And if you want more on that kind of a discussion, I do recommend you go check out the Theology Throwdown discussion. Oh, yes. Because... (laughs) It was episode three of the Christian Podcast Community's Theology Throwdown in which, because I had defended, when we had the harried episode, I had defended the belief that God could work miracles in people's lives. And I kind of got set straight. It wasn't in a bad way because I'm not willing, you know, to die <laughs> on that hill. But yeah. <laughs> one of the things that I guess I've always felt like is that God can work miracles in our lives, but it doesn't necessarily need to be... A miracle that you then use as a a means to like convince other people of things. It's, yeah. it's a personal thing, and it can and it may not be a miracle to someone else. It just may be God's way of of working in your life. And one of the things that was brought up in our theology throwdown is that people misuse that. Um, they'll say, you know, God told me to tell you this. You know, this revelation. Yeah. That makes you more righteous than someone else because God is speaking to you and not speaking to someone else, and
1: particularly people of the prosperity gospel.
0: Right, exactly, and that's where it can get used wrong. And so, you can't discount anybody's experience with God, but at the same time, if it isn't biblical, if if it isn't something you can point in Scripture, then God is not saying it to someone else through you because the only way God speaks to people is through His Scripture. Yeah. And so the miracles and the and the prophecies and all that kind of stuff are you know, God may be speaking to you, but you cannot use that beyond what he's telling you personally and not try to turn it into extra revelation that is not in scripture. And yeah. so I, I can see the, the damage that that can do. And I understand the points that were made. So I am now forced to agree with you on this
1: topic. So. <laughs> and, you know, as we're fond of pointing out in the evangelical circles, mm-hmm. the title of prophet is not somebody who foretells the future. A prophet is somebody who speaks to a people for God. Right. He speaks God's words to a specific people.
0: Modern-day prophets, the only words they should be speaking are the ones from Scripture, because that's not exactly. revelation to us. Precisely and if they are speaking it. extra revelation beyond Scripture, then they are speaking false prophecy.
1: And that's where we should be finding our awe. That's where right. we should be. It's, we should be finding the all that Job feels. and We should be finding mm-hmm. the all that Isaiah feels, that uh Elisha feels, you know. Yeah, and there will be a time, God willing, very mm-hmm. soon, where we will see miraculous, world-altering events, too. But by then, yeah. it may be too late for some people.
0: Well, that's what we go back to Hebrews one, which I was—I've been working on. Like I said, I just started trying to memorize Hebrews, and I've, this passage is just so rich. It's right from the beginning of Hebrews one. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he's finished. Everything is finished. The revelation is done. And God has spoken to us through his son. So that... That's where we understand that there are no new revelations. It's because God is, has finished his his work. Yeah. And that's why the Bible is complete. We don't need to add to it. There is no further word from God that we need to have beyond Scripture. The whole concept of God, you know, that the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all yeah. things by his powerful word, that is just... A beautiful picture to me of how not only is God all inspiring, but Christ is all inspiring. We shouldn't be thinking of Him in in such I don't know tawdry language. As I used to mm. when I was a child, say that Christ was what Jesus is my best friend. Yeah, I mean I can call Him a friend because of what He did for me and the grace that that He has bestowed upon me. But it would be like. I guess in human terms, it would be like saying the Queen of England is a friend or the President Trump is a friend. You know, the, these are powerful <laughs> people that you don't just, you know, get all buddy and buddy with. You know, they're powerful people. Those friendships mean something. And that's the kind of awe we should have for our relationship with Christ, because it's far beyond, you know, just a buddy, buddy, best friend kind of thing. It is a a yeah. very... Unequal relationship. Let's put it that way.
1: It, you know this. Uh, this theme was your suggestion. You really did have a good, uh, what we would call a good pull on this one. I, I wouldn't have made this connection between Doolittle's disregard of the Queen's summons and our lack of
0: Proper continued awe.
1: awe for God. <laughs> yeah. 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 Good. Nicely done. Very nicely done. <laughs>
0: Well, like I said, it came from a sermon I heard right after seeing the movie, so it made the connection for me.
1: (laughs) Providential.
0: Yes. God works that way.
1: (laughs) All right. So let's move on to the second topic. Uh, One of the things that we see in the movie is that uh, Dr. Doolittle is treating a a gorilla (laughs) by the name of Chi-Chi for basically being afraid of everything. Yes. Which I thought was particularly interesting since when the movie opens, Doolittle is literally afraid of anything human-related. Yes. Uh, he uh, At one point, he even tries to hide from a young girl who comes to, to deliver the Queen's summons by covering himself with his bathrobe and saying,
0: Not here! <laughs> I like the... Possum, play dead.
1: At least he went to the animal that way. And he rolls
0: over on his back and puts his arms and legs in the air. It's hilarious.
1: (laughs) And Chi-Chi does the same thing. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So, you know, it opens the door to one of the main, the actual moral themes, you know, the moral of the story is themes of the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's dealing with fear. And, uh, you know, how to be strong and courageous. And all the major characters, uh, really grow in that particular storyline. Chi Chi learns to, you know, em- embrace the fear and act through it. Stubbins has a minor growth in it. And Doolittle, of course, overcomes his entire sense of fear. Right. And, With this topic, I went looking for quotes about fear and courage. And, of course, I didn't record the one that I found from How to Kill a Mockingbird. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll put it in the show notes after all. But uh, the main point of the movie was that uh, courage is not a lack of fear. Right. Uh, It's being able to stand
0: regardless of fear. Yeah. That was actually a quote that, you know, Doolittle told Chi Chi, you know, that courage is not the absence of fear. And then he continued that phrase and got cut off because he put his helmet on. He was going down <laughs> into the water. And she was like, wait, I didn't hear the rest. What was the rest? <laughs> but it made me think of the scripture that centers around Joshua. Because when in the story of the Exodus, when you got all the way to the, to the promised land, Moses dies and leaves. Joshua in charge of taking the people into <laughs> the promised land. And he doesn't feel like, well, you, you don't know exactly how fearful he actually was because what you're getting is God repeating over and over again, but be strong and courageous. Yeah. So I think it was he his who
1: me moment.
0: Yeah. I, I think he must have been feeling pretty inadequate at that point. So here's the scripture. It says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Joshua 1, 1 5 and 6. And that's not the only be strong and courageous that's in Joshua. It, it keeps yeah. being repeated over and over again. It's and, a repeating theme. Yeah. So it's one of those things that I feel like as Christians, we have to remember that we don't stand alone. And when we when we must stand on principle, and on God's word, sometimes it's not easy, especially it's getting harder and harder in our culture today. I mean, we have people that are losing their businesses because they make take a stand for Christian morals. And It's something that we just have to remember that God is on our side in this, and we just have to be courageous
1: regardless,
0: because he didn't call us not to fear. He told us to be strong and courageous.
1: Yeah, and, you know, feeling fear, I I don't think anyway, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that feeling fear is sinful in and of itself. It's how you act. Whether or not you have courage in that fear. And and one of the constantly repeating themes in the in the Bible is that we Christians, we children of God, we don't have a reason to fear. Mm-hmm. David felt fear multiple times, I mean probably a dozen times and that he expresses in the book of Psalms. But every time he reminds himself and Psalms twenty seven. Uh, Psalm 27, one, the Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? Uh, there is nobody who can stand against that. If the Lord is for us, who can stand against us? Yeah, I, definitely. I, I, don't where that, I don't remember where that one is.
0: I think it's Romans.
1: So we are going to feel fear uh, because – Despite the fact that we know God will care for us, how much does God care for the sparrow and how much more does he care for us, you know? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to suffer. We're not going to have pain. We're not going to have loss in our lives. And that's what we fear. Right. But even as we go into that suffering, even as we lose loved ones, even as we lose financial security or as we face conflict in our relationships or in our work. We go into that knowing that God is with us. And if we walk in his word, he will continue to to lead us. His word will lead us the right way. Even Mm -hmm. if it doesn't lead us out of the loss or the pain, it will still be leading us towards growth. It will work towards the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting that we don't have to give in to fear. And when we do give in to fear, sometimes it can put us at odds with God. Because like going back to the story of the Exodus, the first time they approached the promised land, they sent in spies and they were fearful. And they came back and told the people, hey, we can't take this land. These guys are giants. There's no way we can can do this and and they turned the people away from God because of their fear. And so fear can work against us, but yet you had you had Caleb and Joshua saying, We could do this. God's God's bigger than this, you know, yeah. He can He can take us into the land. It wasn't that they weren't afraid of the giants, it's just they knew they a God that was bigger than that. I mean, this was the God that had just parted the Red Sea for them and had just uh, taken, you know, plagues against Egypt and, and all of these big things. And then they get there and they're like, I don't think we could go in there.
1: It's a and God that had been every day and every night leading them.
0: them. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't have that physical, you know, demonstration of God's power in our lives, but We have the Holy Spirit, which should give us the courage to be able to stand, which is.
1: And you know, and that's that you raise an interesting point. We don't have the pillar of fire or the pillar of smoke, but we do have the Holy Spirit. And we seem to forget that the Holy Spirit is not only sufficient, but greater than the pillar of smoke. Yeah. Or the pillar of fire. It's personal. That exactly. It, it is within us. So I think we underestimate the the influence and guidance of the spirit mm-hmm. that that comes with accepting God's salvation and uh realizing our need for it and becoming a child of God. Mm-hmm we really do need to uh, we need to give the Holy Spirit his due. He's like the redheaded stepchild of the Holy Trinity sometimes, the way we treat him. We really should remember that the Holy Spirit is sufficient for everything that we need.
0: And that he can give us the courage to stand. I, yeah. I think one of the things that has always, I guess, made me feel better about impending persecution for being a Christian is that I always think it's like, how am I going to endure that? And then it's like, but God would give me the strength. I mean, I don't, I don't need the strength right now because I'm not enduring that. But in, in the midst of it, God could give me, God will give me the strength to do what yeah. he wants me to do in the midst of whatever I'm fear. And sometimes I think I'm too much in my head and I'm thinking, okay, so if this happened, what would I do? And if this happened, what would I do? And I just have to let go of that and let god work through me instead of be worried about my responses and any and that's always what has always led me to being fearful of sharing the gospel you know doing the one-on-one stuff that is so so scary but yet if we step up and do it because god told us to do it (laughs) that's the one thing he told all christians to do is to spread the gospel and it's so easy for us to you know give excuses as to why not me, not me, God, maybe yeah. someone else, but not me.
1: And, you know, uh, you, you know, that old poem about uh, footprints in the sand. Mm-hmm. We know through Isaiah forty-one thirteen that God is constantly holding us. Uh, he, he's, he's got us, he's holding our hand. Uh, it says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. Mm -hmm. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. He's using the hand that is associated with a weapon to keep us safe to, to, uh, to, to give us a reason not to fear. Mm Mm-hmm and that just says so much to me uh, he's giving up you know he he's giving up his protection to protect us i guess is a way to look at giving up his weapon hand holding us with his weapon hand it's i guess it's sort of a weird way to look at it <laughs> but i'm good with weird ways to look at stuff so there was one other scripture that i had uh had pulled out uh, for some strange reason uh first and second timothy are favorite books of mine and
0: <laughs> wouldn't happen to have anything to do with the fact that your name is Tim?
1: Uh, maybe. So Timothy, uh, for those who might be new to the faith and not familiar with it, Timothy was a a disciple, a student of Paul's, and he goes off and and uh, helps lead the churches. But he did it uh, relatively young. Uh, particularly in the, uh, the society of the day, uh, Timothy was thought to be in his uh, early 30s, which is very, very young in Jewish circles to be a leader. Uh, it's one of the reasons that Jesus, who was, uh, thought also to be right 30s. around 30 when he started his ministry, was sometimes disregarded. But Paul reminds Timothy that God's given us a different spirit. In Second Timothy one seven, he says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. And it reminds us that the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that is within us, is a provider of the soil that the fruit of the Spirit has grown in. And all we need to do is remember that God's holding our hand. And Mm -hmm. that's available to us.
0: Well, one of the other themes that was in this movie was the whole concept of belonging together, like an oddball group of people who are brought together by a common purpose or a means of communication. Uh, In this case, it was obviously all of the various animals that live with Doolittle, a lot of which would be, you know, like predators and prey of each other in the natural world. But because they were friends with Doolittle, they were all... I guess you could almost say all one language and all one group, and they all had a bond in common that brought them together. And there was actually a line in there uh, where two of them had had uh, had a gotten through a difficult <laughs> situation together, and they were like, "What's this warm fuzzy feeling?" And the other one was like, "It's friendship, you know. This is we're 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 building friendship together, and casting aside all of the." plot hole issues with that, about how all of the animals can communicate with each other, even though they're different species speaking different languages, and Doolittle can understand all of them. That's a massive plot hole in and of itself. But this is a (laughs) kid's movie, so we shouldn't have to worry about it. Fantasy. (laughs) Yeah, it's fantasy. The issue that I found interesting about this is that they were all different, and they all found something in common. And that is in a nutshell, what being part of the family of God is, we all bring something different. And th- and that's where, you know, the, the picture, the biblical picture of the body of Christ is so cool, because we all have different gifts that come together to make a whole. We're like pieces of a puzzle together. And it's, it's a really a beautiful picture that, you know, allows us all to be different and to bring different things to the kingdom, but yet have a common purpose in Christ. And it's, it was beautiful in the movie, and it's even more beautiful yeah. in the
1: Christian faith. It, we we've touched on this topic a number of times because oh yes, uh, we a, have. A, a lot of the stuff is about a lot of the the themes that we touch on are family and and friendship and teamwork and it's it's a common theme we we yes. see it in many of the PG thirteen and below movies because you know <laughs> Marvel <laughs> hello <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, one of the places I always go when, when I'm thinking of teamwork uh, verses is Proverbs. And one of the definitions of, of one of the – I don't know if definitions of friendship, but one of the reasons that you want friends uh, is laid out in Proverbs seventeen seventeen. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a difficult time. Uh, you, you know, friends stick together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's the friendship that we see amongst this, uh, diverse potch, potch. group of animals. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, the two characters that in this dialogue, it was, uh, Yoshi and Plimpton. Yoshi being the, uh, uh, the polar bear and Plimpton being the neurotic ostrich. Uh, obviously <laughs> they didn't, they didn't draw too, too far from the, uh, from the drawing board for, for Plimpton. And oddly but, enough, uh,
0: those two would never have met in a normal world because ostriches yeah, exactly. polar bears don't live in the same regions. Yeah,
1: different hemispheres, north and yeah. south, different <laughs> east and west. Both,
0: yeah, couldn't really get any further apart. Yeah, they become friends.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, with this topic, one of the things that that came to mind for me was that uh, as as Christians, we know what it means to belong uh because it's it 's part of what we get with the with the Holy Spirit we become members of god 's we're we 're adopted into god 's family and uh we 're commanded to worship together to uh to lift each other up to fortify uh each other and and become that invisible church the of believers who support each other yeah And, uh, first Peter two nine, it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises, proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We are a people with a purpose. And that purpose is to glorify and proclaim God.
0: Goes right back to our first theme about having exactly. the proper respect and awe for God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that that belonging is just such a wonderful belonging. Actually, uh, the other scripture I threw into our notes was sort of addressing how we know, right. how we know we belong, and we find that in John fourteen five through seven, where one of the apostles was uh, kind enough to say, uh, "Yo, how do we know?" <laughs> And it was Thomas said, Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my father. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And that's how we know we belong. Because... We know Jesus.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much the way it works. Yeah. (laughs) There were a couple other little things that we have a little bit of time here to talk about. One of the most interesting little things that happens in this movie is that they go on a whole quest to find a specific kind of fruit that's going to counteract the poison that is killing yeah. the queen it's called the eden <laughs> fruit and we just kind of got stuck on the word eden there it's it's just a yeah. little odd that it's like this this one uh mythical fruit on this uncharted island that no one's ever seen that's going to is almost like the tree of life kind of idea
1: exactly <laughs> and, and and you know it so many so many times in secular media we see references to eden and the tree of life and it's so convenient a a thing for them to go back to because everybody knows when you say the tree of life everybody knows that it's this mystical powerful source and uh if you say the garden of eden everybody knows it's this peaceful uh utopian location, but they never seem to question why everybody knows that. Yeah, And I know it pervades, uh, it pervades our oral history, you know, goes back to before writing. But the reason I think at least the primary reason that humanity latches on to these concepts is because it's written into us. It's written on our hearts that God has provided us these things and that we lost them. Right. When we fell.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's just interesting that it got called the Eden Fruit and that it was, you know, there's just a lot of really interesting connotations.
1: And, you know, a lot of it, like this like this story, a lot of it's built around the idea that we can go back and get it.
0: Yeah.
1: They, they go and get the Eden Fruit to heal the queen. They go to the Tree of Life to, you know, achieve their quest.
0: Which is guarded by a dragon.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Not an angel with a flaming sword, but a dragon with flaming skin.
0: Flaming mouth.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But uh, that really does, it raises the the question of, are we capable? Are we capable on our own, on our own devices to getting back to the Garden of Eden? No. No. Nope.
0: Absolutely not. For one thing, it was destroyed in the flood, so it no longer exists. But mm-hmm. one of the other ones that the, the final phrase in the movie was, I guess, kind of their conclusion to the movie. It's only by helping others that we can truly help ourselves. And I, I can sort of see the truth in that. Yeah. But it's not necessarily so much of a as a, of a biblical truth as just a common sense truth that when we pull ourselves in and we do everything out of selfishness and for ourselves, mm. we tend to not get as much than when we give up ourselves to others. And that is in and of itself is rewarding. And I, you don't experience that reward until you quit yeah. being selfish.
1: I'm, I'm going to agree with you by disagreeing. Okay. I'm going to say that it is a biblical truth. Yeah. Uh but it's the second commandment, not the right. first. Right. The what the humanists in general are doing and what this movie does is it it takes the second commandment and it makes it higher than the first. Right. The first commandment of course being love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. Right. Uh, the second like unto it is to love your neighbor as yourself. Right. And uh This movie forgets the first part, the first commandment, in favor of the second, which is so common for uh, Hollywood to do.
0: It's a humanistic kind of thing, because the only way that you can love your neighbor as yourself is through the power of Christ, because in sin, we are naturally selfish. And so that ability to look beyond ourselves and to see the needs of others and put those needs above our own it doesn't come out of the human heart. That is not something that is natural to us.
1: Exactly. We, we're we not going to do true good unless right. we're led by the spirit to do so. Right. And Galatians 6.10 says, let us not get tired of doing good for we, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith.
0: Yeah. And what does that look like in our lives? I mean that that's it, like I just said, it's not natural for us to not be selfish. And and I, I hear this a lot from the humanistic standpoint is like, can't you be good without God? I mean you can do good things without God. You can right. be charitable. Exactly. You can you can do all sorts of good in the world without God. But typically if the underlying motivation for why you're doing good and it, and it's in the phrasing of this is that you help yourself by helping others. It's like you're helping yourself. It's that it's selfish reasons. There's a selfish motivation behind that, and to get rid of that selfish motivation and do it for God is difficult, and it and it has to be a, a giving of ourselves, a sacrifice that is not natural.
1: It you know it it all goes back to this idea that. Uh... Uh, that when we die and we stand before the Almighty, He's gonna get out this, this set of scales, you know, and He's gonna put all our good stuff on one side and all our bad stuff on the other. And if the good stuff outweighs the bad stuff, it's, we're gonna get into heaven. And if it doesn't, we're gonna be sent to hell. And, you know, I, I, I wanna say that's not how it works, but that sorta is how it works, except all the bad stuff is all sin. And it's sin that is going to send us to hell no matter what we do, Mm -hmm. unless the sin has been placed on Christ by accepting him as our Savior, by understanding that we do not have the power to save ourselves.
0: Yeah. All right, so I believe that closes out our discussion. If you have anything you would like to add, uh, obviously, to this discussion, uh, if you've seen the movie Doolittle and you think we missed some important points, we'd love for you to share them with us. You can do that by going to the show notes, which will be at slash 101. Or you can go to our Facebook group or page. You can find those Are You Just Watching on Facebook. Or you can look go to com slash community, which will take you directly to our group. do encourage you to join the group and join in the discussion. We really appreciate the feedback that we get from our listeners. You can also call us at 513-818-2959 and leave us a voicemail. Or you can email us at feedback at com. We'd like you to subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And you could follow me on Twitter at Eve Franklin.
1: And I am on Twitter at Rencheple. R-E-N-C-H-E-P-L-E.
0: We also want to thank our longtime supporters, Peter Chapman, Stephen Brown II, and Craig Hardy. They've been giving to us quite faithfully for some time, and we appreciate them. If you'd like to give to us, be- make sure that you go to patreon.com/slash are you just watching or I'm going to give more options. If you are interested in giving to us through PayPal, there is ways to do that. So if you are interested in doing that, send me an email at feedback at are you just watching, and I will get with you and set up how you can give to us through PayPal because that might be more uh, useful for other people out there who don't want to get involved with Patreon. So there, you can give to us through PayPal, but uh, I need to know if there's interest before I try and set it up. So if that is a way that you would prefer to give to us, uh, please email us at feedback at areyoujustwatching.com. We appreciate the support. Thank you so much. And we thank you so much for listening. Don't know what we're going to be doing for March, but it'll be something interesting.
1: We'd, we'd love suggestions.
0: we love suggestions. Even if it's something that's not currently in, in, we do take suggestions for DVDs. We haven't done a DVD in a while, so it might be time for one. Yeah. And uh, we hope that you continue to listen to us and join in the discussion. This is E. Franklin. And
1: this is Tim Martin.
0: Thank you so much for listening.
1: And don't just watch.
0: Are you just watching as a member of the Christian podcast community? Find more interesting podcasts on theology and Christian living at podcast.strivingforeternity.org.